Evening, what can I get you? Welcome everyone to week 21 of the Banter Pub FC podcast. We are happy to have you here, excited to have you here. Uh, we're still in quarantine just like everybody else. It's still a global pandemic, uh, but the beautiful game still plays on. Um, many things have happened, and we have a new voice to bring to the Banter Pub. Uh, Franca, I'd love for you to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about how you came to the beautiful game and the clubs you support. Sure. Hi, thank you so much for having me and, and for this opportunity. I'm really excited to be with you guys. Um, my name is Franca Royal. I was born in Argentina. I grew up in Uruguay in the States. I'm from Jersey. And so being born in South America, I didn't really have much of a choice. I was born a football fan. It's in my blood. People in South America are like, members of clubs before they're born. <laughs> so I grew up watching it, playing it, listening to it, living, breathing, loving it. So my teams in order are Peñarol from Uruguay, Boca Juniors in Argentina. I am a Red Bulls fan as much as I feel very conflicted about MLS. I'm a, a Metro Stars fan since day one, Barcelona, and then Manchester United. Those are my affiliations. And yeah. Football's my are, number one passion. And you are proud of them as evident in the uh, WhatsApp group as you like kind of dove in head first and you kind of were like, oh, what is this? And then everybody comes in front of you and you were ready for you bounced and you hit back and it was excellent. We're just happy to have you here, you know, as you know, as the brand ex- uh, expands, as we're looking to add new voices, already existing voices to the podcast. And to the writing team, which I know you're going to bring a hefty dose of important content in that regard as well, because 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 I know you've already penned some great content in the past already. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as we introduce the website, that's going to be rolling out and we have some new endorsements lined up as well. So all that stuff is coming in addition to every week or every other week or as often as possible. You guys hearing Franco's voice. Uh, we have uh, Ama and Joseph with us as well this week. Jonathan will be joining us a little bit later for this recording. But in the meantime. Let's get started on the first segment, and let's talk about what's been happening in the Premier League since we last recorded. So a few things happened. One of the big things in the world of sport was that Manchester City, uh, their European ban was upheld by UEFA uh, and the courts. Overturned. Overturned. Well, overturned. I'm sorry. Overturned. Um, That that, that was a misuse of words. I apologize. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I'm of the mind that uh, this is, I kind of half expected this because of how long it was taking, that it was going to end up going this direction. I, you know, as a United supporter, I obviously did not want to see City get any kind of European attention whatsoever, at least for the next two years. It gives them the opportunity to add to their recent trophy cabinet, because let's face it, they didn't have one until they had oil money. So Uh, When they were playing League Two football, you know, with the likes of Bolton and some other club that, you know, doesn't exist anymore. But now they're, you know, now they've been in the prem and they love their recent success. And that's all they seem to be talking about is their recent success. But that's just what little brother clubs tend to do. They talk about the recent success and how they're recently great. And they don't even have statues in front of their stadium of of, that that represent, you know, in the past 50 years of, you know, in the past in, in the past 50 years. So. 
Anyway, <laughs> that's enough of my. Uh, uh, I feel like I, I have to stand up for my friend Jonathan here a little bit. I mean, damn, he's not even here to defend himself. Uh, no, he's not. No, you don't. You don't need to do any of that. That's absolutely okay. fine. You can just go ahead and leave him where he is. He wanted the smoke. He will get said smoke. He will get all of the smoke. So much smoke, in fact, right. that I might be a human chimney. So, yes. There we go. Can handle it. That's true. <laughs> he, you, know, you know, he certainly can. And, you know, I think City definitely, as we've explained in previous episodes, definitely showed examples of them cooking the books. Right? <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> and the fact that they showed examples of it, like 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 they literally showed their work and said, "See, guys, we cooked the books." And you know, what UEFA said, "We see it, and we're still going to let you play in Europe." Shows explains everything you need to know about how corrupt of a system that UEFA actually is. Just for pos- <laughs> just for posterity, if we are going to be fair to Jonathan, which we absolutely should not be, in my personal estimation, just as a disclaimer. I will go ahead and one more time go over the timeline of this. I've done and talked about it in shorthand on previous episodes before. I'm going to do it one more time, okay? Because this goes beyond just this case. Because I don't think people understand. Right. 2011-2012 season comes in and financial fair play is introduced. The rule, as explained, is, quote, if a club owner injects money into a club through a sponsorship deal with a company to which he is related, if the sponsor accounts for more than 30% of the club's revenues, then UEFA's competent bodies will investigate and, if necessary, adapt the calculations of the break-even results for the sponsorship revenues to the level which is appropriate, therein called fair value, according to the market prices. Therefore, There is no definition as to what exactly would breach the rules, meaning that UEFA can handle each of them on a case-by-case basis. In May of 2014, Man City were fined by UEFA for failing financial fair play rules. Just bear that little one in mind, all right? They were handed a £49 million fine, and £32 million of it was suspended, and they could only name 21 players for their Champions League squad for the 2014-15 season, if people remember it. Do you know who else were handed sanctions? Eight other teams. Amongst them, Paris Saint-Germain. Let's fast forward to 2018, shall we? It's now the 5th of November. And that is when the leaks get published by the German publication Der Spiegel. In it, they claimed that City's ownership company, Abu Dhabi United Group, channeled investment into the club in the guise of a sponsorship deal with Abu Dhabi companies in order to meet the limit on losses. They believe that those deals were not as big as declared and that owner, Sheikh Mansour, a monarch, made up the shortfall. At that time, Man City was not chatting any shit. They were not chatting spice. They were not beating their chest. They're not talking about we will be 100% vindicated. You know, Trumpian language. None of that was happening at that time. They were dead, stone-cold silent. And also to the people who said that, you know, oh, we were already given them everything that they asked for at that point. That is not true because it's on the 7th of March, 2019, that UEFA began their investigation into this. It was because of those leaks that would suggest that Man City perhaps did not give over all the evidence that they said they did. That's why there was an investigation. 
Let's not revise history just because you feel vindicated. Now you man want to flex nuts. That's not how this works. I'll get back to you in a minute. So it's now the, it's now the investigation is open on March. And then, it's, and then they were formally handed their papers. They got served. Manchester City said in their statement that it was false accusations, close quote. We now move to the 13th of May. Man City is still chatting shit, talking about the potential sanctions and the leak in the New York Times this time. So now a report into the United States newspaper claimed that investigators were looking into possible financial irregularities and are pressing for the club to be banned from the Champions League for a minimum of one season. City's sweating. They call it extremely concerning. And then now in May, they referred to UEFA's financial control body, or now I'm going to call it AC. But what that means is a judicatory, I think that's how you pronounce it, chamber, right? They're the people that review all the shit before they eventually make a determination and hand a ban or a fine or both. If you go to them, you're in deep doo-doo. That's basically what this means. Man City tried to stop that. They appealed to Cass. They tried to stop that. They said that, look, don't want to be referred to the financial watchdog. We think this is wrong. Will you stop them? Do you know what Cass told them? No. (laughs) They told him no. I just hope people will keep paying attention. So now you can fast forward all that to this. Now, here's what I will say. UEFA are absolutely bloody incompetent. You knew who you were going up against, right? Like you knew how much muscle they had brought in to try and beat this case, right? You had evidence leading to more evidence on top of that. So why wouldn't you conduct an investigation? The Premier League are still investigating these, these guys, by the way. Are they going to do anything? No, because they're a bunch of, you know, I said I'm going to be a good Christian boy today, so I'm going to hold that. But that's, that's what I mean. So it's just like you had them in your hands and you let them slip through your fingers. That is what I will say about UEFA. So yes, financial fair play pretty much has gotten the slap, the slapping up that was long predicted by people like Gary Neville, people like Arsene Wenger before him, who said that a club like City with the ownership and backing that they get is going to beat these rules. And they did. Now, here's what I will say about City. Oh, give me strength, Lord Jesus. So here we are. You got away with it. Well done. Congratulations. I don't know. You man a Scarface now, I suppose. But don't get it twisted. You did get away with it. You are not 100% vindicated. The key words here in Cass's initial ruling is time barred. Get it? If it weren't for the fact that UEFA had a five-year statute of limitations on that, which is something that all clubs have to agree to as per the rules, if they want to be a member... Well, part of it. If it weren't for that, you man would be singing an entirely different story. Now, here's what was being deliberated the entire time, it seems. It seems like Man City's way out on this was to challenge it per that rule. If UEFA didn't keep that stipulation in the rules, it'd still be investigated, and the court case will probably still be going on right now. But just because it gets thrown out on a technicality in law does not mean you man are innocent, yeah? You are still state-owned, Emirati-owned. Don't get it twisted. When you might want to go ahead and flex and complain about PSG, you are no different. None. I don't care what the ruling is. And quite frankly, whatever the Premier League decides to do regarding you guys, it's going to be a damn squib anyway. You should be banned. 
you should be out of here. You should be sitting at home thinking about your life. That's what you should be doing. But enjoy your celebrations. Because from this point forward, I don't know what's going to happen to football because as far as I'm concerned, financial fair play is supposed to do technically two things. One, stopping the mega rich from taking over the competition and buying out the competition, especially when they don't break even because that's just financially irresponsible. Two, stopping clubs from going into administration. Now, what this verdict pretty much has delivered is failure on both counts because in between all that, we've seen clubs, historic clubs, go into administration. Some fold, some don't make it back. They've been you know, recreated as former protest clubs and things of that nature, especially in the case of AFC Wimbledon, where basically that douche nozzle, can't remember his name, moved the club to Milton Keynes, tried to basically undercut the entire supporters' trust, so they created a club in their place. Now I believe AFC Wimbledon are above Milton Keynes' dons in terms of league position and league in the like, place in the football pyramid. I need to double-check that. But that's the kind of sweet vindication that fans live for. But don't get this twisted. You man are not 100% vindicated. And we're still waiting for Cass to give the full deliberation, which they said would take a few days. It's been a few days. We ain't heard anything yet. But I think what it is is it's done, and they're kind of editing it purely for how the press is going to consume it and how we're going to consume it. Usual thing in law. It's not new. I can't stand you lot. I will never stand you lot. From now on, you lot are known as Trump City. That's, what you're, that's your new name. Man Trumpston City or Man Trump Man Trumpchester City. I don't know. Trumpchester City. There you go. That works. That works, works for me. Because you're not 100 percent vindicated. We know you did it. Just like Trump. And you got hit with the fine for obstructing your own investigation. If you're so innocent, why are you manning obstructing your investigation? Please, please explain this to me. Like I'm 12. Yeah. You lot are dirty. Just like everyone else out here, do not act like all holy and thou and virtuous. You're not vindicated. Law is very technical. And you can get away with a lot of shit on technicalities, and you man have. And that is the facts. I'm done. And on that, I know, Franka, you had something loaded in the clip for uh, Manchester City as well. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, um, <clears throat> <laughs> All right. I mean, so I'm going to let you finish, and then, and then I'm going to tell you. <laughs> first episode, and I'm jumping into the deep end. So hard to follow that up with that amount of passion, um, which I, I admire greatly. Here's my stance as a fan of football. I, I'm more than a fan, a fanatic. In Spanish, it's hincha, which is a word that doesn't quite translate in Rio Platense Spanish. I love football. I love football in its in all its glory. I love football in what it was before modern football became what it is, which is ruined by money, right? We can't compare what football's become to what it was set out to be, sport of the people, the great equalizer, right? It starts in all the the, the working class neighborhoods, etc. I that that is my nostalgia that I always grapple with this kind of ideological hypocrisy of being a fan of football when we're in these modern football times. What do I mean by that? If we want, and I'm a United fan and I hate City, and I actually don't think that they're vindicated by this at all, 
I also hate PSG. I hate every big money club. Philosophically, I believe things that I that are contradictory to me being a fan of football. Why? Because FIFA and UEFA and CONMEBOL and CONCACAF and all of the federations and all of these organizations, uh, but mostly FIFA, is the most corrupt organization on the planet, right? Look at what's happening with the next World Cup that we're going to play. If that's not corrupt, right? I don't know what is. It's disgusting. It's built on slave labor. But this goes back, I mean, even to um, World Cups that were paid, that were played to hide things like military dictatorships, like the 1978 World Cup in Argentina, et cetera, et cetera. What are we doing if we are pretending to be purists or moralists, right? And, um, and we are so heavily just criticizing City, which again... I think what they did is messed up. I hate how much money there is in City and PSG and all those clubs. How can we morally support the most corrupt organization on the planet by watching every week, by buying kits, by going to games, by supporting in any way, right? Any of this, because we are all complicit. Let's not kid ourselves. There is not one of us who is a fanatic of football, and if you watch international football, it's the same thing. If you watch whatever league, it's the same thing. And then turn, so be complicit, and then turn around and pretend that we want them to be fair. We know financial fair play is bullshit. We know that money runs the world. We know that capitalism has ruined this planet. And so how can we expect them to still maintain some level of morality? By them, I mean... FIFA, UEFA, they were, it was never, I didn't for one second think this one, this sanction was going to stand. Of course, I wanted it to as a United fan, it would have benefited me maybe, who knows how the season's going to end. But realistically, I can't sleep with myself if I'm pretending to look away from, for example, any billionaire owner of any of our teams, right? Or if we're taking money from, um, um, and, and, you know, dirty oil money isn't just this obvious kind of city group thing. It's everywhere. It's, it's everywhere. So I, I just personally, I know I'm a hypocrite by supporting this farce. I can't stay away because it's my passion and I, and I just cannot, I can't live without football. But I, I also can't play moralist because I'm complicit, right, in, in, in giving money and giving time and giving free publicity by tweeting, whatever you want to, everything, and anything that we do, we're contributing to these billionaires. So I don't expect it at all to be fair. Look at how the FIFA World Cup thing bid turned out. We have to either admit we're complicit or leave. That's my opinion. We just say, I boycott it all. If, I'm, if my morals are that I believe money should be out of football, then I have to remove myself because today, in this day and age, that is what football has become, all about money in every single country. I cede the floor. Yeah, okay. So I will, I will try to carve a pragmatic lane in between these two impassioned uh, kind of critiques of the situation. Uh, and, and for me, it's really simple. It's like, you know, UEFA identified wrongdoing and handed out a ban. Now the Court of Arbitration in Sport kind of 
essentially overturned it in a way that made it made it clear that there was wrongdoing um, according to the rules that all these clubs have chosen to abide by. And, but at the same time, you know, they felt like city should, even the fine was reduced, right? Um, which was absurd to me when you're talking about money at the scale that they're dealing with. I don't think it's uh, morally hypocritical to ask for the rules of a capitalist system to be upheld, right? By the the bodies that, that uh, oversee them, right? Uh, just be consistent with it, with yourself. And unless we agree that, you know, the whole thing is a charade, right? And and then if that's the case, so why why have the sport in the first place? Like I'm I'm at the point in my in my life where I don't even I don't consume very much media. I don't watch a lot of TV or anything. The only thing I really watch is live sports. That's you know when when we that's it's and we do it because we want you know the the, the chance for something unpredictable to happen. Um, and that's you know. I don't think I'll ever be able to remove myself from from that desire. I find it deeply embedded in the human psyche to, to seek something novel. And sports is an outlet that, you know, it's it's mimeographed conflict, allows us to feed our tribalism while communing, right? Uh, at the same time, uh, you know, but yes, money in football, just like money in politics, just like money in most other human endeavors is corrupting. Um, and yeah, maybe I'm just not as morally, uh, uh, maybe I'm not as consistent as, as Franca, but I believe that we can at least hold folks accountable to the rules they signed on uh, to follow. And and that's why the city, the overturning of the city plan. So, you know, to me, I what I expected is kind of a reversal, right? I re, I expected the ban to be reduced rather than thrown out. That seemed like the kind of thing these organizations would go with. Instead, we're getting the out and out corruption outcome that we're like, oh, okay, you guys are just not even going to front. So, for me, it's you know, it leaves a sour taste in my mouth. But 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 Frank is right. The whole thing's rotten, and so, therefore, we shouldn't expect anything morally consistent. You know, it is what it is, um, and we'll have to find a way to move forward, because apparently they're going nowhere, and um, there's, there's, no recor- there's no real recourse, I guess. I don't see the Premier League doing anything significant um, to... Uh, make the situation any better. So, you know, uh, the last thing I'll say on city and this ruling is, you know, I said it before we started recording, I'll say it again, Pep Guardiola, keep Arsene name out your mouth. <laughs> and that's, that's just, facts. that's absolute facts on facts. We could just go ahead and get that one straight out. Like, and he was talking mad spicy. It wasn't just, Wenger, he had he had the he had the clip loaded for everybody. It seems, you know, he was kind of doing a Conor McGregor after he had won, where he's just like, you know, I like to say, I apologize for absolutely nothing. 
the double champ does what he <laughs> That's basically <laughs> what Pep Guardiola was doing that day. And I was just like, you need to relax, Frederick. <clears throat> the way that he was chatting spicy about Liverpool, I was just like, hmm. Mm. Okay. Um, and I, I don't know. A lot of things were said in the last week that has given me kind of pause. And I don't disagree with the whole thing about the thing being complicit. Again, we are born into this system, so uh, we are basically incumbent. The rules are incumbent before we even existed. And I understand that too. It's just my, for my money, these are the rules that, the, these are the rules that weren't ones that I created. The sense of moralism is not necessarily based off of things independent from this. It's all inherent to their own mission statements, modus operandi, all that sort of stuff. You know, it's the things that we have all been conditioned to expect. And when they're not delivered upon, there will be unrest. Like there will be mm-hmm. some friction there. And I don't disagree with the people saying that we can do better than this and trying to move the systems on from what it's always done. I also recognize the apathy on the other side. It's always been corrupt. It's always, will always be corrupt and we shouldn't expect anything more. But it is just that, apathy. And I hope people have you know, respect for that. Just because you are absolutely correct about the state of things does not mean that there won't be people that don't push and push and push for something to stick because it does need to be done. And it's been done disingenuously to clubs much smaller than the mm-hmm. ones that we've mentioned. So it's not, as if it, it's not as if consistency isn't possible. And I think that's a sense that everybody involved certainly gets. Some don't want it to happen and for obvious reasons, and some obviously do because it's, it's, it's literally what's written there. Like, and, that's, and, and that's the expectation that's been set. If that's no longer the expectation and now we're going to do some Wild West business out here, then cool. I'll just go ahead and get on the, fan to, uh, the phone to Justin and, and Stan Kroenke and we can be like, listen, um, whatever weight you need us to move, uh, we can just go ahead and do that. Um, you know, the money's got to come in from somewhere, right? And we'll just go ahead and claim it as a sponsorship of some sort. I don't know. We'll make up a company. Like, get a shell company on the go and go ahead and launder the money through there. And then we'll go ahead and buy um, Kylian Mbappe and we'll win the league next season. So that's basically what, if that's, if the, if that's cool with you, man, <laughs> I'm happy to do that. Like, if that's what's really, what's really good. But I know you wouldn't be happy with that. And that is where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? But to each, to each their own on this one, me personally, I hope City get relegated at some point again in the next 10 years. That's what I hope happens. Um, will it happen? Probably not. But I would love to see it. And that's just where I'm leaving it. <laughs> I defer to everybody else. Frank, did you have anything else before we, head to, before, we hit a, before we hit a break? I just want to clarify one thing and agree with one thing. So I definitely think we should keep pushing. I def- I, I'm not saying let's not criticize City. It's just the perspective of let's remember that we're all complicit. And just clarify to Ama that I by no means think I'm consistent. It's quite the opposite, right? Because I do feel that money should be out of sports. But here I am watching. So I think that I 100% believe I am that hypocrite. <laughs> um, otherwise, I wouldn't be here. But, um, but thank you for your rational response, too. And, and I, agree with, I, I agree with most of what Joseph says. Um, and we just don't see eye, the eye on all. But that's what makes life fun. So yes, that's indeed. it. <laughs> and uh, uh, when we come back on the other side of this break, we're going to start to dig into uh, what's been going on in the Prem. 
a lot, a lot of things have happened in this significant amount. Of week. One team clearly got relegated, and we'll get into that. And then some other things happened up, and some other shakeups happened in the top four. So join us on the other side of this break. Thank you for sticking with us. So, you know, uh, you know, we're still here, still trudging along. And obviously significant things happened in the Prem between our last recording and you hearing this recording. Several things, including Lester getting destroyed, <laughs> in my view, uh, 4-1 to uh, Bournemouth, which was a shock, I think, to everyone uh, in the world who was uh, paying attention to that game. And then also something happened in North London. I'm, I'm sure Joseph and uh, Ama are probably going to speak to that a little bit. But Do we have some, to? <laughs> some team without trophies beat Arsenal. I don't know how it happened, frankly, uh, because they're managed by Jose Mourinho, one of the most inept defensive managers in recent memory. So, you know, I, <laughs> I don't know what to say, but uh, – Joseph, Ama, I'm, I'm sure as Arsenal supporters, I'm sure you have something to say in regards to uh, the North London Derby. Uh, Ama, I do, do you want to start? Because uh, mine's fairly short. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, mine's also relatively short. I mean, I think what, we're, what we observed in the North London Derby is it shows that uh, no matter how good Arteta eventually becomes, no matter how how well he's got these players playing and how much he's getting out of them, there's no substitute for quality, right? The lack of focus, the silly mistakes that led to those those goals, yeah, that that. That, that, that Arsenal conceded away at, at the new Tottenham Stadium, yeah, it, it made the lesser team, not lesser just based on history, but le- lesser on the day. It allowed the lesser team to come out on top with all the points, which is, um, you know, it's, it's a result that's deserved when you make mistakes of the nature that Arsenal did at the back. And, um, and you know, we got to take it on the chin. It is what it is. Um, and, you know, I can't really congratulate them. They accomplished nothing. Um, <laughs> what, I will say, what I will say is that, you know, it did fire the team up to defend with conviction in the next match, which I'm more than happy to talk about ad nauseum. But I'll let Joseph talk about the derby, and then maybe we can shift. Well, first of all, I just feel like some praise should be showered on Andre, uh, Alexandre Lacazette because that goal was out of this world. Let's just state that for the record. That was absolutely incredible. Um, I would say that it was a defensive lapse on Spurs' part. Um, obviously, they were trying to get the ball clear, but didn't really get enough of a hoof to it, so it kind of like bobbled to Lacazette. But Lacazette, from there was just sheer world class. He absolutely levels it, top left bins, leaves Yuri sprawling for his life. But he was, knew he was getting nowhere near that. Love the celebration afterwards. <laughs> yeah. I'm so I'm so in love with the camaraderie that Aubameyang, Pepe, and Lacazette have. It's just amazing. Um, but yeah, great stuff. Love that goal. And I thought that that was a signal of things to come. Like, you know, out of nowhere, 
You know, Lacazette drops in a goal like that, like uh, like his name's Randy Orton. He's just, you know, putting an RKO on somebody. Like, it literally was a pile driver. Just absolutely beautiful shot. And then it all fell apart because, again, defensive laps. And I know, I know, I know that everybody's been on and on about Arsenal's defending. Obviously, Liverpool learned from us when they faced us, so we can get into that later, obviously. But, like, we do need to build from the back. And I think that is probably the only thing that anybody should be talking about until it's done. Like, the centre-backs need improving. David Luiz can still do a job. I know people are, you know, are raging about him, always making mistakes, but it's because he doesn't have a solid defenseman next to him. Remember, David Luiz can do things that defensemen usually don't do. That's the reason why there's so much stock, and we're not really paying him that much. So, like, he's, he's useful in this system, but he needs a linchpin back there. He needs somebody like, uh, what's his name? Tiago Silva. Not, is it Tiago Silva? The defender at PSG that he was alongside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Silva, former Thiago Silva. Captain. Yeah, you know, some big fuck-off strapping mountain of a man that basically just, you know, sees any striker coming towards him and just isolates that threat, if not absolutely crushes the crap out of him. Like that kind of thing, you know what I mean? I, I, That's I, I, where I, David Luiz excels. He gets to go forward, he gets to drop in, amazing passes from seemingly the other side of the bloody stadium. Like, it's he can do a job. Free kicks, he's good at that. Set pieces, absolutely. Total threat. Maybe it's the hair. Who knows? All I know is, is that he, it, as him being your talisman in defense, that's not, that's not why he's back with. <laughs> he, can tackle him. he can tackle and stuff, don't get me wrong, yeah. But he's better as an extra attacker. He's better as an extra threat he shores up the midfield a little bit. He almost operates like a defensive midfielder without actually making those movements. It's really, really, it's really strange. Like, kind of like a little bit of a regista role, but for a defender. He's definitely somebody who's a ball-playing defender, but if he doesn't have somebody who's as good as him to play the ball to, then mistakes get made, as we've seen time and again this season. So it's the same story. Buy a world-class centre-back, please. I'm sure Umpamankano would love to come. I hear Kulabaili is not doing anything this summer. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe think about, you know, giving them Ozil in, in I'm just saying we'd be killing two birds with one stone. Hey, okay? hear me out on this. We need to get the wages down. Cool. Send him to Italy. I'm sure they have plenty of money down there. I'm sure they would be very happy to have him. Koulibaly wants to play in the Champions League, so he's not going to Arsenal this season. <laughs> well, he's not. Well, he's not. Well, he's not going to. Um, well, he's not going to City either, because I'm very much doubt that he wants to play in the side with Otamendi. Let's let's relax, all right? Like, chill. Yeah, we'll got, be yeah, well, as his partner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Otamendi should 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 partner. You know, I don't know. Otamendi should partner like a pillar somewhere. In a, in a building, like a, a post in a shack that that sells, you know, meat pies. It's it, he's he's not a defender. I, <laughs> I I do think that you know I I think somebody counted once that we had like Arsenal had ten center backs on the books, which is absurd, uh, an absurd number. And the reason why we have so many is because we've needed center backs for so long, and we've been trying and trying and trying. With without 
actually doing the the real investment work. And I will be 100% frank, Arsenal's academy is fantastic at producing attacking players, but not so much on the defensive side. And I would argue that even at the youth level, the, the, the style of play lends itself, you know, it's, it's more technical and less about the, I, I think it, it, the incentives lead to more attacking players. And so some, some players who could probably do well are molded into midfielders and attackers. And, um, and so we're not seeing that production there. So if you're not producing them in your academy, then you have to buy them. Right. And it doesn't mean you have to spend a gazillion dollars, but you have to get them younger when there's upside. And, you know, we lost the opportunity to raise up players and sometimes through bad luck, like I think holding will be a, eventually become a decent, you know, Premier League standard uh, center back. But, you know, at the moment, you know, we're hurting for that kind of quality. Saliba next season will be, you know, a breath of fresh air. However, you know, I, I believe it'll still be a challenge. So we'll still have issues um, if we don't buy some quality. And I think Mikel Arteta was quoted or um, as, you know, describing the gap between the quality on the Liverpool team that we destroyed as being enormous. Yeah. Right? Uh, you know, I think... For for Arsenal's sake, I mean, you 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 both are right. Building from the back is incredibly important. I mean, at United, we're, we're still trying to figure out who's going to be the best partner for Harry Maguire. We have that same kind of cycle of, well, it could be Eric Bailly, it could be Victor Lindelof, it could be Axel Tuanzebi, it could be you know we have all these options, but we're still trying to. We don't have half as many center backs as Arsenal does on the books. Right. <laughs> But well, and and um, you've had injury problems, just like City. Yeah. You've also mm-hmm. had in, in, injury problems in that area as well. So, like, it's hard to like. I believe in a so my my favorite all my, my favorite uh, formations include a center back pairing, right? And and I think it's really important to get that balance right. For the longest time, in the dead years, in the in the waning years of the Wenger era, we still had decent a decent center back pairing and you know murder Syker and Koscielny who worked well off one another when they still had knees and and a little bit of pace and you know and the German was fantastic in the air um and Koscielny was quick um and we were able to leverage that however we did never had a <laughs> a, a, a the tip of the spear right you, you start building your spine never replace Vieira you know and so we've had these problems and we fail to rectify them when we when we try to buy into the the modern era by buying ozil um we saw some limited success because you know he's not going to get you the goals he's going to get you the opportunities then and, and then eventually add um sanchez then all of a sudden you, you see arsenal blossoming but at the same time we're starting to peter totter on attack and and not defense and so we've been through this cycle of, you know, it, it's taken five years of expenditure and smart trades for Liverpool to get to where they are. It's taken a gazillion dollars. Has, is it up to a billion dollars now? Or we won't, we can't even tell because you guys cooked the books. So I was going to ask Jonathan. Ah! <laughs> but, but, but the number, the numbers probably, 
the, the number is probably is pretty doggone high in the investment that it took to get you know a really quality side together to compete for the for the championship. So, so I know we have a long road ahead. Um, so like don't say the Champions step. League, just say the Prem. They they, they they haven't won big years yet. Don't, don't do that. Go ahead. <laughs> well, they, they, so the, the fact that, and that's really what I'm concerned about right now is the Premier League, because we're so far removed from that that possibility that it's, you know, I have to take take it where, you know, look at the, the challenges that we should be aspiring to at the moment. Um, I think in Liverpool winning the Champions League, they really were trying to win the league. Like, that's what they wanted more than anything. But... <laughs> so I feel like by constructing that team, it. yeah, they, they did blow it. I mean, it's not the first time they slipped up um, in pursuit of a of a of a, <laughs> of a title. Sorry, Sorry, but you had yes. that Sorry. was awesome. Alma, you are killing the game right now. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> just, He's just, just killing the game out of No, so what, what what happened is I I wasn't here last week, and and Jonathan was talking mega reckless. About Arsenal, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Wow!" I mean, it's a day ending in Y. It's a day <laughs> ending in Y. Armor. When is he not chatting absolute bare shit about Arsenal and indeed every other football club? He was literally the one trolling. He made trolling cool on this podcast before we all got him. Like that is just raw facts. Like Frank, I'm going to bring you up to speed on this. All right, you know, okay. you know the reason why we're like this. It's because of Jonathan. Jonathan wow. is the reason. I had completely misjudged the situation. I'm, I'm shocked. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I'm gonna get you a timestamp and an episode for you to listen to. You just watch when when Jonathan's on. He's in, he's in ether mode. He's just merciless, <laughs> relentless. We still gotta get brutal. that sound clip of the <laughs> ether. Wow, wow! I'm shook. I'm shook. I can't. We'll work yeah. on it for next week. Ether beat. <laughs> We need to but get yeah. a soundboard in general, but we'll sort that out one day. Sure. So, so I guess in conclusion, right? Arsenal has uh, we have quality problems. Um, obviously, not at the front, and I'd say both our senior players and junior players are doing well up front. It's really in the back and in the spine. I I want to put just like uh, Joseph mentioned. Want to shout out Lacazette for his performance. Like he, he always gives a hundred percent. So I've always loved him. So I think he's the first player first player whose name I got on the back of a jersey. I had a I had a policy of never, you know, I'm wearing my own name on my back. If I'm gonna put a name, it'll be mine. But I was so inspired by his effort, like the way he plays, you know, whether he's getting goals or not, he's working really hard and fighting for the team. And anyway, so I admire his effort. So I'm gonna shout him out. I'm gonna shout um uh Emiliano Martinez. Fantastic job. Um, stepping in, I mean, he's been with the club yes. forever. Yeah, he's been amazing. He's been and he stepped in. We've not missed Leno, which is saying a whole heck of a lot. Because we had men like David Ospina, right, who is a great keeper, mm-hmm. but you felt like there was a drop off, right? Like mm-hmm. there was a, you didn't feel less secure. You know, that's saying something, right? Even because we had over the hill better check, right? And so there's, there's a. And then this is the first time I felt so good with a backup keeper in, in, in between the stakes for us. And I'm, I'm really, you know, especially the, given that he spent so much, so much time in his career with Arsenal, 
staying and just just riding it out. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna fight. I'm I'm going to fight. So he got his opportunity, and he's he's killing the game right now. I don't think he's committed an error yet. And he, I'll be frank, he saved the win against Liverpool in extra time with this ridiculous save. You know, the man the man's been automatic since uh, since he came in. So much love to those those two. And that's my last word on the derby. Well, what do you have to say? I mean, I'm 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 shocked that you guys didn't roll right into beating the champion. Well, I mean, well, well, I mean, I didn't know that we could actually do that, Neil. But since you've mentioned it, let's go ahead and talk Liverpool Football Club. How you doing? It's your yeah. boy. How are you? I heard that you man were trying to get a hundred points this week. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> Very cute, very adorable. Yeah, another, another slip up. <laughs> so another adorable. slip up. Mm. So you adorable. lot, so 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 genuine. Like, I mean, I'm not even trying to be condescending to you, man, because you really thought you were going to have a special season. But you know what's more remarkable than you winning the title in 30 years? Coronavirus. How does that feel for you? Does, does, is, is it is it sinking in yet? You couldn't even have a proper parade for obvious reasons. And if you did have a parade, we'd all be descending on Liverpool to beat the living hell out of you because what are you doing? Social distancing, wear a mask. Thank you very much. Now, on that topic, how does it feel that your season ended up being as remarkable as, say, I don't know, Manchester United's fifth time winning it? Well, 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 that's not necessary. Um, was it, you know, where they were just like, oh, yeah, we've got like chill, three million. Chill, chill, chill. We'll just go ahead and throw I mean, that in the back. I mean, <laughs> if you're going to throw a haymaker, just say it reminded you of Leicester's random win. Like, just Leicester's, like, the reason why, I, that, okay, I see where you're going, but Leicester's win is far more significant than Liverpool's because um, yeah. it's the first of their history. Yes. And considering what they went through just even two seasons prior, they were battling relegation. Then man came back and did what? That is absolute. No one saw it coming. The bookmakers changed the rules. That's the sad part. The, the bookmakers changed the rules for how high odds can be because they paid out so much money. And you know they don't like to do that. No, like, certainly they don't. But yeah, I'm I mean, sorry, but Liverpool's win isn't even as significant as Leicester's. Not in my mind. Mm-mm. It's, so, I mean, yeah, you're, you're, you're right, I guess. I never, I didn't put it in that context. There's really the, you know, the asterisk season, right? Um, and I've, unfortunately, you know, because they put a good team together. You know, I won't take that away from them. It's just, sorry, guys. Yeah, sure, sure. It, it takes a lot. Like, you know, there's been a lot, you know, we've had all these conversations in the media and in, uh-huh. uh, oh, God, and with Liverpool fans about this being the, greatest Premier League team ever. And that kind of talk oh, is so disrespectful, yeah. so ahistorical. You tried it. It's so trash. It's such a trash take. Um, you know, but that's the world we live in, right? And I'm just like, no, sit down. Someone actually said the greatest Premier League no. team. Were, oh, you, laughable. You're struggling to win a match since you won the league. Like, you were already in holiday mode right now. You lost 4-0 to Watford. Watford? In your... In your <laughs> "Quote unquote invincible season, man." In the relegation right zone, this very minute, their man are looking <laughs> at championship football right now, cuz, and you lost to them by <laughs> how much? Four. Yeah, 
that that was that that was that was super trash. So yeah, so I, that that's the thing that's been annoying is that the crowing and all that, and you know, and it showed. You know, I, who was it? Was it right after <laughs> they got the guard of honor at? <laughs> they got their first guard of honor and then got slapped. I guess, like, <laughs> I'm saying, like, there's too much crowing, and it's like you gotta keep it together, gang. Keep it together. If that's what you want to do, chase history. Like, do that. They're heroes, and the people I was really I admired um, Klopp for bringing on were the folks who made the biggest, the big mistakes that gave Arsenal uh, a leg in the game. Like your two defensive buys, the last two additions that really changed their fortunes. Because they were never, I mean, you could have the same front three, uh, same front six, and they would still be conceding goals, right? Getting Allison, getting VVD, uh, leveled them up, right? To where they aspire to be. And yet, and still, they couldn't maintain the focus required to be that historic you know, team. Yeah. So like, you know, sit down, sit down, appreciate that you won the thing. You know what I mean? Congrats on that. But like, know your level. Exactly. So, so, so so what was interesting is there are other podcasts that I, that I, that I won't mention on our podcast. (laughs) No, 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 no. No, We want the smoke. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. We don't want the smoke. Actually. No, no, but, but, but what I'm going to say is they were literally linking other, they, they were putting Liverpool in God mode against the Manchester United treble winners, against Manchester delusional, delusional FC, delusional FC, against uh, Arsenal undefeated, and it's just like all of these. You can say invincible. It's okay. You can say invincible. Uh, I'm not. No. <laughs> no, you can. You can. You should actually. It's it's it's, it's proper. I mean, it's, proper, it's facts. It's facts. Proper. You got to give just, credit where it's due, right? Exactly. Gotta... Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Frank. Thank you. You see, you need to be more like Frank and Neil. Look at that. No. No. Anyway, um, but what they were doing. The, the, the point I'm making is that they were that other podcasts have basically compared this Liverpool side, had the audacity to compare them to the Invincibles, to the Manchester United Treble winners, to the back-to-back City uh, uh, Treble winners. Just the unmitigated gall. I mean, the unmitigated gall. I can't. And the season isn't over yet. And the season isn't even over. That's that's the thing that hurts me the most. The cognitive dissonance is like, you know, oh, you know, we don't really care about breaking records now. All we care about is uh, winning the league. It's like, no, the, the season ends at match 38, not when you win the title, which is why Arsenal are invincible, which is why United are treble winners, which is why we have the highest point total in history of the Premier League. So there is no, oh, we just put, take off for the gas. Like, your fans are the reason why, the annoying reason why the, the league is back. So to say that and just, like, be done with it because you won the league is just the kind of dissonance is just like annoying to me right like let, let's expose ourselves to coronavirus just long enough for us to math- mathematically secure the title so we can you know that's <laughs> so desperate. That, that is desperate business <laughs> i don't care who you are like that was your deliberation let's just go ahead and risk life and limb just to confirm it and then if we die, we die. Mike, I have never heard of any cult business in football like that. Before. 
So shout and out to I'll, Liverpool. And I'll, I'll, I'll big up my, my boy, Hytham, for saying on the pod that it's, that didn't matter. The journey has been awesome. <laughs> and then they'll be back next season. That's the right attitude as far as I'm concerned. Um, well, if the season on, board, on the club, a club season, this is the, probably the peak. It's probably going to go down there from now on. Yeah. Oh, great on the chase. Um, he really does. When he finally gets that triumph, it's beautiful. It's lovely. I mean, obviously take that with a grain of salt. Cause now we're talking about Liverpool, not Borussia Dortmund, but still like he does it. He kicks the demons. He did it with the Champions League. You notice in the very next season he wasn't able to defend it. That's right. not that's not a no. coincidence, fam. That's what right. he <laughs> Well, I mean, I think that the focus this lack of focus that like right now, this section right now, this Arsenal beating him, this getting slapped up after getting the guard of honor, right? Like from the reigning champ. Like that that lack of you know, it's like they they've held on to that one thing for so long that once they achieved it, it was just like impossible to get motivated you know the arsenal invincible season so they went invincible for the whole season and they carried on they carried that momentum into the next season until there was a a a really bad fake penalty by some terrible club somewhere that actually (laughs) ended the season But, but the point the point is not that the the run ended the point was that they kept fighting even after the summer, right? Like they kept it up. Like those, that's why it's so painful to watch, watch the comparisons because it's evident. Like we have the evidence right here every week manifesting before our eyes. Once Liverpool wins the, the title, they're, they, they just don't have that cutting edge anymore. They can't do, they can't do the thing. They can't keep that high level throughout. I mean, that, that Watford game will never go away. It'll never go away because oh, it was so striking. Just beat them too long, despite I know, I know. And we're night so, in the table, right? Like, these are the champions, right? Like, are you, you know, so what does that say? What do you really think? You're technically, top technically, they slipped up when they lost to Atletico Madrid. Oh, yeah. At, I mean, you know, as the reigning, cha- uh, yeah, the reigning champion. It's, it's too, it was too early for them to exit. Right, like uh, Champions League, like I, I, I would have been acceptable to, you know, make a deeper run, but like that's the lack of focus. This is what I'm saying that you cannot compare this squad to the, those squads gone by from a mental toughness standpoint, from the, that ability to retain focus and maintain high level. Um, it's rah 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 until you accomplish something, and then it's impossible to to keep climbing. So I mean, you know, they're, they're sprinters, not you know, 800 runners kind of thing you can you can certainly compare them to other european sides like a psg who keeps on winning you know or a Bayern or something like that or even a dortmund klopp's of you know klopp's former club that you know hasn't won the german title since he left so it's like okay yeah you can certainly make the comparison there team for team but like you just said ama it's like it, it's it, it does and now this is not us piling on Liverpool because for this particular episode there isn't a Liverpool supporter on this episode. This this is just to say that other podcasts that won't be named have decided to kind of throw haymakers uh, against these big sides 
these historic sides that that were significant in not just Premier League football, but also world football, and caused seismic shifts. I mean, people still talk about the Arsenal Invincibles. They still talk about City winning the title back. They still talk about those sides that won the title back-to-back. They still talk about the only team to ever win the treble in Manchester United. We're the only ones. So for the, there is no comparison. There, there, I mean, there just is none. But, but, you know, when looking at the rest of the table, because obviously that's the top of the table, and, you know, looking at the bottom, we got to see Norwich uh, City finally get relegated. Uh, it took the entire season, but they've been, I think, <laughs> I feel like they've been self-relegating ever since, I guess, what was it? They had that great run of form for, like, the first seven games. First, first, yeah, yeah. And then, like, they, you know, Pookie was, like, Mr. Fantasy, you know, because we were scoring two games, and now that you know, now they're back in the championship, and they may be without Pookie because Pookie may be going elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you call that man Pookie? <laughs> <laughs> because because the game be calling him. <laughs> I'm sure it's pu- is it Pookie or is it Pookie? Is it really Pookie? No, it's Tim- it's Timu Pookie. <laughs> Because <laughs> <laughs> oh when you talk about Pookie, I'm thinking you're talking about Mangan, like down the block, talking about, you know, Pookie really doesn't like it when you beat him at FIFA. Like, you know, Pookie gets really in his feelings about it. You know, don't make Pookie angry. Because if there's anybody who's a big, big bastard mountain of a man that can score goals and his name is Pookie, I would believe that. But I'm thinking of a completely different Pookie entirely, so I'm so sorry. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I just, I mean, so Norwich got relegated. I think Watford, as of as of this recording, is teetering on the relegation zone, if not already yeah. there. Um, yeah, they're, they're still up, but they have oh, a bad goal difference. Um, and you know, West Ham is out of the relegation zone, um, yeah, now. shockingly. Uh, because I think the I think everybody assumed the bubble team was going to go down, and I am part of the bubble team. But you know, uh, yeah, they will. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, we saw. You know, we will include them in this segment before we go on to the championship segment because the championship segment will be d- d- reserved for something else, some major news. But we also, unfortunately, are going to be dealing with Leeds next. <laughs> <laughs> and you feel welcome the back, welcome back, welcome back. We're going to be singing that for 38 weeks, and then they're going to go back down again. Maybe, maybe, maybe without their manager, which I know, Franco, you wanted to heap praise on. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that. But I'll just very, very short because I have been waiting years. Years for this to happen, years to see my boy El Loco Bielsa just <laughs> in his in his tracksuit, sitting on the sidelines on a cooler and just drinking his coffee and have that be on NBCSN. I mean, it's priceless. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I I I'm 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 ready. I'm ready. And that's it. That's all I'll say. Well, I'll just add. And Frank, I'm sure you're going to appreciate this. In the summer, Calvin Phillips, if you want to go to a better United side, just call Manchester up because obviously 
you have no there there's no reason for you to be at Leeds anymore brother there's just there's <laughs> no need let's do this so, let's do this. and i hope that by the time they play each other that we're allowed to travel again because i will be there just with bells on i can't wait and hopefully we slap them up five nil or six yes that too i mean that too that that's fine i just want to see the inside in the prem i mean we're talking mad spicy but oh, what happens what happened the last time you man faced Leeds? Do you remember? We're not going to bring that up. We're just. <laughs> 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 mm. Bill, yeah. Bill, this is a this is a Yilsa appreciation <laughs> segment. Okay, like, <laughs> that's all it is. <laughs> Look how swiftly they tried to change the subject, Alma. Do you see that? They're just like, yeah, gonna... yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope. <laughs> Yep, they sent the okay. in, redacted. See, I'm, I'm claiming censorship. But, but see, guess what? guess what? We were a different United side back then. So, <laughs> in, were, were we not? We were, we, and dare I say, we, we, dare I say we are a much better team now. And in the summer, if we make the moves that we are intending to make and make the additions and subtractions that we are intending to do, then, I, then, then Leeds does not want this. They, they don't want it. Bielsa can coach the, you know, the greatest, you know, and they might score one goal, but that might be it because it, it, the result will not be the same as it was in the past. I promise you, we will, we will not lose to them twice next season. I am making that decree right here this week. We're not going to lose to them twice next season. I promise you that. I'm, I'm, um, philosophically opposed to making statements like that or to making predictions. I believe very heavily in football karma. Um, as a um, we are very pessimistic by nature, even though we've won World Cups. And we will talk all the trash after we beat you, but we will never talk trash before we play because you just never know. So I'll keep my mouth shut on that one and, and see you after those games. <laughs> I don't believe we're going to lose. Yeah. Tomorrow. But, uh, I, you know, go, go ahead, Am. I'm sorry. I was just, I, I just welcome Bielsa in the Prem, man. Like, dude is a, a certified character. And, you know, he's, he, I think, was he at Lille? They had a really good run in, the, in Ligue 1 where he was at Lille. And he was, you know, but the players just couldn't keep up with the style he wanted to play. But he, he was effective. Like, it's, you know, you think, you know, whatever, Klopp plays heavy metal football or whatever. This guy is, is, It'll be it'll be amazing to see him at work in the at the in the prem, and I feel like we're we're in a lucky we're in we're lucky right now to have the the kinds of managers we do have in the prem right now, and you know, match wits against one another. So we'll see what he'll do. Like I, this guy might have the deepest coaching tree of any active manager in the game right now. Like he has many disciples mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the so like, went crazy twitter went insane with with praise so it's going to be exciting for sure his camera skills yeah. are really coming handy when var is oh man <laughs> i can't wait i can't wait <laughs> yeah well yeah, if they so- ever do allow the stadiums to be open one thing that i will give leads is that ellen roads is ellen road is a cauldron of noise they, those supporters are absolutely insufferable with how loud they are. So anybody who's playing there on the road, be prepared. 
they they do not make it easy for anybody to do this. Um, and certainly not for Manchester United, which I've got to say, I'm going to call it straight out. First meeting, Leeds, Manchester United, Leeds wins 2-1, 89th minute winner. <laughs> first of all, that's bold. Nostradamus <laughs> over here. First of all, <laughs> You not, first of all, there's only one United. There's only one United club that scores in Fergie time, and it's not Leeds. Let's just, <laughs> let, let, let's just. There's a reason they call it Fergie time. They don't call it Bielsa time. Bielsa's great. They just don't call it Bielsa time. They, you know, and that's a very bold prediction. We will see that first match if that happens. But you know, with the with the rest of the shakeup of the with the table, I mean, we have. You know what? I guess West Brom still has a chance to. Uh, yeah, I think they're gonna. Make, I think they're gonna make it. Hold, hold on, real fast though. Is does Leeds still have the racist keeper on their squad? Casilla. Uh, Kiko, Kiko Casilla. Don't you? We talked about it. Yeah, we did. We talked yeah, about yes, him. Yes, they do. They still do. Okay. Yes, they do. So we. I have smoke for them. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Right. I missed. I missed this. Sorry. What was what happened? Sorry. Don't you guys remember? I think in one of our very early episodes, yeah. we ended up having to talk about him being suspended for you know being a goddamn racist. Who's that? <laughs> the keeper, Kiko Casilla. Oh yeah. Did he get suspended? I was just curious if he was still on the books. Is he still? If he's still? Oh, he's still on the books. He's still our starting keeper. I don't, no, no, I don't think he can't be starting. I'm gonna go check, um, but because that's trash. Yeah. But he got an uh, eight match ban. But okay, that's the maximum that the league can dole out. Though they can't give more than an eight match ban. I think it's either eight or twelve, but usually they can't. They're capped off at how many matches that you can be suspended for for racial infractions. Right. Same thing happened to Suarez. And the same thing happened to John Terry on top of that. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna. So I don't think he's gonna make it to the Premier League, but I think the the probably let him go. Yeah. It's gonna be very, very, very. I, I, they uh, should unsavory yeah, they to should. see him take a knee for Black Lives Matter after <laughs> after that. So oh, the black players are gonna take out his knee. I promise you. <laughs> well. I feel like I feel that way about some of the current players. Like they're not definitely all happy to do that. You know, they're sometimes the look on their faces, you're like, okay, that's a fascist. You know, <laughs> like um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's well, kind of sometime, fun. Kind of fun. Yeah. So to be fair, you know, the Burnley thing with the Burnley thing, I, yeah. you know, those are the guys to me. Like, you know, if you want to say it's people who have standing racist face, um, yeah. it could could be quite a. Pe- a bunch of players on that Burnley team. However, I was really heartened by Ben Mee's response to the the silly banner, you know, <laughs> the, in the in the sky, um, and and that 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 gave me that gave me a little, you know, it, it gave me cause to pause a little bit, you know, with my uh, assessments because, like, yeah, like if there's a team that looks like, you know, half your squad, you know, turns up. <laughs> turns up with, with the weird paraphernalia in their closets, it would be those guys. Um, and so I was really heartened to see the, the, their response. I don't think he was even asked about it in his uh, post-match interview, but he just brought it up and yeah. said, and said, you know, this is not, this is super trash. Yeah. <laughs> right? 
you know, I mean, and, he, I, and I appreciated that. Go for it, Frank. He, no, I was just going to say he was asked a different question. He's like, we'll talk about that later, but more importantly, and then he went on to, to do his thing. So that was that was good. Yeah. So so, you know, by all means, leads drop Kiko. You're going to need somebody better anyway to stay in the prem. So <laughs> get the fix up, fix up. But but also lo looking at the rest of the relegation, I'm sorry, not the relegation, the, the, promotion. the promotion playoffs, obviously there's one slot left and there's four teams playing for it as it stands right now in that, in that position are Brentford, Fulham, who we, who were just sent down two seasons ago, um, Nottingham Forest and Cardiff City, who, you know, three seasons ago were in the prem. Of those four, uh, you know, any of those four could potentially be pushed up into the prem. I, I really, you know, and next week we're, we're going to have an interesting segment focusing on maybe some of those players, what they would look like in Premier League kits in future seasons. But speaking of this year or, or lo looking at next season and being realistic, I mean, obviously, you know, I could see a situation. I mean, West Brom was recently sent down and they're, and they're going back up uh, potentially. And then we have these other, you know, we have Brentford, like I said, Brentford, Fulham, Nottingham forest and Cardiff city, obviously Nottingham forest has a history, not just in the prem, but history with the FA cup as well. And the, and the cup, European Cup too, and the European Cup, which now, some clubs, which uh, which uh, some clubs haven't won yet, but we're not going to get into that. But uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> some clubs can claim they've won big years, and other clubs can't. That's just the fact of the matter, guys. Sorry, you know, you know, when we you come back, I don't want to talk about what Leeds did to you in the FA Cup. Though. We're not going to talk about that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> We're not going to talk about previous seasons. We're only talking no, no, about... Please, no, no, please, 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 oh. Neil, Neil, continue. Absolutely. Wow. Like, please, feel free to keep chatting that spice. We're just acknowledging again for the record that you weren't ready for the other kind of pepper that I was coming with. It. That's, listen, it's... You know, some of us can handle Scotch bonnet on our food and some can't. I understand. Listen, I, I know that, that, that we were not ready... In that FA Cup draw, however, we were a different <laughs> club then than we are now, right? If, mm -hmm. if the club today mm -hmm. played yeah. that Leeds club back then, we'd destroy them. It wouldn't even oh. be close. Mm. With particularly with Bruno Fernandez in our midfield instead of Andrew Herrera and Pereira and whoever else, I can't even remember who was our, who was in our midfield, let, let alone our center backs. In that a lot game. of ifs, a lot of ifs and coulds. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, all I'm saying is when I look, I am excited for. I think we're all excited for Bielsa to be in the Prem this year. As was yeah. already previously stated, he has a tremendous tree. You know, he has a tree like Arsene Wenger, like Jose yeah. Mourinho, yep. and and so many other men and. Uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, who have this tremendous tree of talented managers across world football, right? Bielsa is just another, you know, tree with roots all over all over the world of world football. So, from that standpoint, I am excited for him to be there. I think it's. I think we 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 are just over the moon about that. And yeah, I'm excited. But at the same time, I'm excited to see them in because because it's been a significant amount of time that Leeds has been in the prem. So. From that standpoint, I'm excited. 
but I would love nothing more than to be the team to send them back down at the same time because it wouldn't it, 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 because I'm like, <laughs> because I'm a, because I support Manchester United. So how else am I going to feel about a club that I have a deep seated hatred for, despite the fact that Bielsa is there? Obviously, I want to send them back down. And I, you're and not I, really I, sending me on Bia, You're not really sending me on Bielsa if you're comparing him to Jose Mourinho because now I have to look at him from a side eye perspective. Like you know, obviously he's a character, but if Mourinho reminds you of him. I'm not comparing him. I'm just saying that, like uh-huh. Jose Mourinho, he uh-huh. has a tremendous tree that can that spans so many different managers from across world football. Just like Arsene Wenger, just like Sir Alex Ferguson. That's the only compar- That's the only comparison. Yeah, but I made. does Mourinho have that anymore? I think that that's kind of what I'm getting at here. Like, yes, obviously this was going to be a segue into Mourinho slander because you know how I stay. I don't let a moment pass without reminding Jose Mourinho that he is an mm-hmm. absolute cancerous human being that needs <laughs> to be retired from football as soon as possible. So I don't know if his tree is that <clears throat> fertile anymore. Like Spurs have undoubtedly regressed since he's taken over. I don't know if the, there's an end in sight. I'd love to see it keep going. But, you know, that's really up to Spurs at that point. You know, that's obviously an administrative matter for them to handle. I'm just saying, if we're putting some respect on Bielsa's name, who people seem to actually like, compared to Jose Mourinho, whose hairline resembles a Californian cascade at the height of erosion, I just feel like we should do more to spread the love and the positivity that Bielsa allegedly brings. Like, whereas if we're comparing trees, like... Mourinho is about as Mourinho's Mourinho's tree is basically looking like a I don't know a dead uh, one of the one of the trees that were cut down and slashed and burnt in the Amazon. That's kind of where his stock is right now. He's not the same Mourinho that he was even in the season that he came back to Chelsea, won it all, and then immediately decided to go ahead and take the Monks into a relegation battle the next season. But that's beside the point. Actually, probably more to the point. I don't know if Bielsa deserves that. That's all I'm saying. I'm just saying, like, you know, I'm, he seems entertaining, but I don't know if we should compare him to the, to the absolute well, it's really demon just spawn a, that is Jose. <laughs> I, I, I hear you 100%, and I, I, I will agree even with that assessment of Mourinho. I think you're spot on. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Bielsa, I think the point about Bielsa was really about his influence. Like, I would go as far as to say, like, beyond guys like, what's his name, Sampioli, okay, Sampioli, that, that uh, coached, coached, uh, Sampioli? That coached, uh, Chile. Oh, right. Right? With, uh, with the, like, I think he coached Argentina in, like, the, mm-hmm. for, like, a long time. I think, I want to yeah. say that he is one of the winningest Argentina coaches ever. I think Pep will say he's an influence. I think Pep Argentina will say he's an does. influence. Like all these, all these guys you big up today, they all yeah. were like, yeah, this is my man. Um, what's his name? Uh, at Atletico Madrid. Simeone will Simeone. tell you it's that's totally the man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they literally all, all guys, are like, it's the school of Yelsa, all those guys. That's they, his tree. Like, yeah. That's his tree. That's, that, that's, that, that. That, that was the point. That, that was really the point. It's just to say that, you know, like, if, if, he, if that's his influence, then by golly, you know, he's somebody to be reckoned with. And we welcome him in the Prem. Like, I'd love to see that. 
Yes. I don't want him at Arsenal, but uh, but I <laughs> but but I want to uh, I want to see what what he can stir up in the prem. Yeah, I'm, but if he uh, replaces Jose Mourinho, then I'll be happy with that. No, because then I got to we got to play against him. Then we got to deal with him. Then I got to hate him. That's true. And who wants That's to true. do that? Okay, so don't replace him directly, but like replace wait, him. Wait, well, wait, well, wait till he he gets somebody relegated, and then you can replace him. Him, Bielsa joining Spurs as a relegated Ooh. championship would be, wow. that would be something. That That's be almost poetic. Um, <laughs> I'm going to pay American dollars and great British pounds but, to, to see go, that. No, go, that's go, it. If it go ahead. The only other thing I was going to add to kind of wrap this segment before we move on and cover one more piece of important news is that, you know, I think, like I said, I am excited for Bielsa to be there. I am excited to see how his style of football is implemented, not just in the Prem, but also in the Club Cup, also in, also in the FA Cup as well. I'm just overly excited. I'm, I'm excited to see him slap up Jose Mourinho and Spurs next year. Because I think that's going to happen with, with with his style of managing and the style of play. I do think Leeds are. I do think Leeds in the Prem are a threat. I think Leeds could be where Wolves are now, meaning they could potentially be a consistent threat and consistently in the Prem for a number of years after being called up, right? Um, and that has a lot to do with Nuno. There are there are a lot of comparisons right now to. Nuno's success to what Bielsa can do. We are, we already know what Bielsa can do, but mm-hmm. managing a Leeds team that is on the rise, right? As, as a United supporter, it does pay me to say that Leeds are on the rise. That's that notwithstanding, mm-hmm. they are they are obviously on the rise, and yeah. have, and having Bielsa as their manager only helps them. Having a you know in a previous segment, Ama brought up you know protecting the spine of the team and having a respectable center defensive mid and having a center defensive mid in Calvin Phillips as the as that linchpin of your spine is literally going to win them a ton of games like I, if 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 there, if there is one player that I cannot wait to see in in the prem is Calvin Phillips I can't wait to see what he does stopping goals and doing and doing the things he was doing in the championship, I can't wait to see it in the prep. I just can't wait. But Franco, did you have something else to add before we moved on? Nope. Okay. I'm just so excited. <laughs> All right. So uh, when we come back from this break, we're going to talk about one more thing before we uh, end the episode. And uh, yeah, join us on the other side of this break. The goddamn sauce. Nine different flavors, same goddamn feeling. Share our passion for sauce and discover the full goddamn range at www.thegdsauce.com. Boss up. Sticking with us, obviously, I hinted at one major thing, and that major thing is that the Wickham Wanderers are in the championship for the first time in the club history. And that's a big deal because they're uh striker at the moment four years ago Akinfenwa, the strongest player in fifa quote unquote the beast quote unquote is uh, you know 
four years ago in his career, he was unemployed. He, he mentions it in all of his interviews. And now he's on a team that is in the championship. He, he has led a team to the championship in the first time in that club's history. W- Wickham is a club that, you know, has kind of been around League Two for, uh, you know, Le- League One and League Two for a significant amount of years. Um, hasn't really seen, obviously has never been in the championship, didn't really cause too much of a ruckus in the FA Cup or Club Cup matches, was more of a gadfly team to play in the summer. But I could see a situation, and I don't know how everybody else feels about this, but I could see a situation with how they are trending. I think they are going to be in the championship for at least a season, and they could very easily be playing in the playoff championship for, you know, in the championship by the time the season is done. So I'm curious, okay. I mean, obvious, you know, and that's, and, and that's just me kind of seeing their body of work up until this point, seeing them fight for as hard as they have, seeing them kind of build, as Ama said previously in a previous segment, building from the back, right? It's incredibly important for club success. Building a solid bench is incredibly important, and the management in that club has certainly done has certainly done that. Joining the championship for the first time is going to bring a significant amount of money to the club to make, you know, transfers that they wouldn't have been able to that they weren't able to make in the past, and it's and it's a big deal. I mean, we saw it. It's you know, we all saw it on Akinfenwa's face. His, you know, he was excited. He was tired because the brother is big. <laughs> he definitely gets it in in the gym. Uh, definitely appreciate it for that. You know, I'm, I'm curious how everybody else feels uh, about this development. I know it was a, a, a late addition to the docket, and I do apologize to everyone for that. But mm-hmm. obviously, because we talked about it significantly, significantly in the WhatsApp group for some time, obviously, I, I can find while being a being a known entity in world football, at least in English world football, um, specifically for a significant amount of time as a pundit, right? And just the personality, he, you know, his personality exudes so much energy and I'm just really excited for the brothers. So, and yeah. obviously Wickham Wanderers as well. So. It's hard not to be. I mean, he exudes like a positivity and an energy that's just like, it's contagious, that video. Uh, and Obviously, we all know how I feel about Liverpool, but the thing that warmed my heart the most was the exchange between him and Klopp, whom he obviously admires a ton, and Klopp, like, invited him to the parade. Uh, it was such, like, a feel-good moment. I'm, I'm really excited for them. I'm really excited. Well, to give you some history on Wickham Wanderers, let's go ahead and take you through just how, where they've come from in the last... Nine years. They were relegated to League Two after the end of the 2011-2012 season. They did win the Football League Family Excellence Award for being the most family-friendly club that season, however. Then they escaped relegation to the conference on goal difference alone in 2013 and 2014. 2014-2015, they're not promoted from the, um, after the playoffs. They lost, unfortunately. Southend won on penalties. Then they get promoted to League One a week before winning their final game against Stevenage after winning against Chesterfield combined with losses for both Exeter City and Notts County in the two places immediately below them. It was a real tight race 
in League One and they eked it out. Now, in 2019-2020, for the first time in their history, they're playing in the second tier of English football, also known as the EFL Championship. This is not a small achievement by any stretch of the imagination. We can play in a, we can play in a stadium that, that doesn't even hold 10,000 people. It's 9,900 and something, if I remember right. They're owned by a small consortium of American people. I believe they're the Kohigs. I think that's how you pronounce that surname. If I butchered that, I do apologize. But this is a very small club. And they have managed to do the impossible in getting this far. Now, I don't know about their chances in getting into the, you know, to the, playoff, to the championship playoff. That is a big, big, big ask, even for a club as plucky as Wickham Wanderers are. But I have to give them all of the praise and credit in the world for this. They were literally looking at being out of the Football League entirely again just nine years ago. Seven, oh, excuse me, eight years ago. And now they're playing at the highest level the club has ever played at. And they are one step away from being in the Premier League. That deserves absolute praise. And we always talk about what big clubs achieve and all the magnanimous stuff. I feel like this should be shoulder to shoulder with what big clubs achieve. When clubs do this type of stuff, when Wickham Wanderers do this, when um, AFC Wimbledon have done what they've done, when um, we see all those, like, those giant killers in the FA Cup and all that sort of stuff, we love that. And it deserves to be sung from the high heavens. And yes, shout out to Mr. Akinfenwa for that lovely word when he said, I hope that I've proven that the only opinion that should matter is the opinion that you have about yourself. Yes. That was a, that was, that was a bar, my G. That was an absolute word. That was a sermon. And I appreciate you for the absolute journeyman that you've been for English football. If you do not know who this man is, you should definitely be looking up his history. He has done it all in, in English football. And this is probably his, 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 the, the crown jewel of, his, of what has been an absolutely extraordinary career. He's been to the heights and the lows and all that, and he's stuck with it. He is 38 years of age, and he looks like he's not slowing down anytime soon. Like, what can you say about this legend that has not been said already? He's an absolute living legend. He deserves all of the, you know, the, 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 the cult status that he enjoys. He's really, really, truly special, remarkable footballer. And I'm just glad that I was living during a time where I would be able to witness all the things that he's done. He's just been incredible. So he deserves this. Wickham deserves this. Honestly, probably the best story of the season, if I'm being completely unbiased. To see Wickham achieve this is absolutely extraordinary. So um, full credit to you, man. And good luck in the, uh, in the championship next season. Yeah, um, I think I'm particularly happy with him based off of the abuse that he's, the racial abuse that he received, he's been receiving throughout his career. So um, one, it's, you know, love to see the black excellence. And although I don't think they're going to be in the, I mean, you know, miracles happen. So they might make it to the Premier League um, in their first promotion year. But who knows what might happen. But, uh, you know, um, I'm just, I'm happy for him too. Uh, I can echo what everyone is saying. We'd love to see him make the Premier League and, you know, shout out, shout out Islington, 
Jeremy Corbyn's, uh, that's his, <laughs> that's his area. And, um, <laughs> where, um, I can tell where I was from, uh, shout out to him, shout out to North London, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm really am. Ama, did you have any? Yeah. Comments? Yeah. So yeah, you, I echo what you, you all have said, especially the bit about, you know, his enthusiasm and positivity being infectious. Um, I, I don't see them sticking around the championship for too long, given how competitive the championship actually is. And, you know, like they're going to have to do something to their squad. They have, apparently they have a Nigerian midfielder. So, you know, shout out to my brothers um, and congratulations to them, along with Bayo, who's obviously also uh, with some strong Nigerian roots. I mean, you can see it in his physique, man. <laughs> so, so yeah, you know. He's definitely Nigerian, that. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so congratulations to them. I, I really hope that they, they stick around for a while. Um, and um, I, love, I love that, you know, these stories still happen in football, as, especially, uh, especially with him. Uh, and lastly, you know, like, yeah, there, there will the championship will be will be competitive. Um, I, I hope they I hope they hang around for a while and and um, continue to bring joy to their fans because I, like like uh, Joseph said, I know it's a really small stadium and it will be cool for them to like you know check things up and stick around for a while and and get better. And hopefully there won't be, I, I know there's a situation, you know, there's obviously going to be situations where next season, particularly in the championship, there are, there are significant amounts of away fans. If we get to a point next season where we are going to be playing in, where, where teams are going to be allowed to have fans in person, which I don't think is going to be the case. But if it does happen next year, you know, because they only have a 9,900 and some odd seat stadium there's going to be a ton of away fans from those bigger which it seems weird to say but those bigger championship clubs championship sides that are going to you know could could potentially shake up things at their stadium and but because we've seen where Wickham has kind of come from to get to this point as a club you know as Joseph so, so eloquently laid out in his timeline like it's certainly possible that they could be around in the championship for some time, certainly mid table, if not playing in the promotional playoffs. So if not next season, then hopefully for a few more seasons, I, I, you know, they are a club that has seen uh, significant uh, financial downturn. So to get this kind of influx of at least championship money for this little bit amount of time could be a, re- a revitalization of the club that allows for them to do amazing things. And, you know, it, it, it is a feel-good story for world football. We don't get a whole lot of those in quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we started this episode talking about Manchester City and the band being unlifted, and we are ending uh, talking about the Wickham Wanderers being added, you know, being promoted to the championship. So, you know, with some bad comes some good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, we wanna, I want to thank you all for – uh, listening to another episode of uh, the Banter Pub podcast. Uh, we will be here next week 
Um, and we thank you for listening and uh, we will see you all then.